0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful words of life. We're in first John chapter five, the first epistle of John chapter five. We'll be finishing up today. And I have to say that this study in this first epistle has been just outstanding. I tell you, of course, uh, I say that with every book that we study the word of God. I just love it. I love the word. I love the word. The word is full of everything that you and I need concerning godliness, holiness, uh, success in life. I like what the psalmist said. He said, Lord, he said, I will incline my heart to your testimonies and I will turn my eyes away from worthless things. See, the word of God teaches us, shows us how to do that, how to refuse the things of this world and cling to the things that are good, how to seek uh, God and his um. Uh, And his blessings, his favor, seek God in his favor, God in his holiness. Praise God. Amen. And he said that uh, when we do this, he'll he'll add everything else. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. He'll give us the whole, the full measure. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't you love Jesus today? Love his word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for your goodness and for your mercy. You said, Lord, that in the world we will have tribulation. But you said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And Lord, in you, we overcome the world also. So, Father, we just ask you to add your blessing of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the study today, Lord. And we'll give you the praise, honor and glory for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. All right. We're in first John, chapter five. We ended in verse 13. We're going to pick up. Uh, right there. And I, I just want to go ahead and say that uh, that what we're going to be studying today concerns prayer, how to get prayers answered, how to be strong, how to be bold in prayer. And also we're going to be talking about sin unto death. And I know that uh, uh, we take the the English translation, a sin unto death, and we say, you know, what is a sin unto death? What is the sin unto death? Well, I think we're going to find out today. At least I'm satisfied in what I've discovered concerning sin unto death. Uh, but let's just go ahead and let's start in verse uh, 13. Notice John writes, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I want us to notice this verse because this verse, verse 13, sets up verses 14 and 15. This is the foundation that we spring from concerning these two verses in verses 14 and 15. But I find this very interesting. Now, John said this, these things have I written unto you that believe, that believe, unto you that believe. All right. That belief, that's a statement to a fact on the name of the Son of God. In other words, this uh, decision has settled in our heart. Now, we, we believe on the name of the Son of God. We've gotten born again. Amen. We have bowed our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have submitted and surrendered our life unto him. Amen. And then John says again, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So you have the assurance We found that out back in verse 10, 1 John 5, 10. He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God has the witness in Himself. In other words, has the assurance. Amen. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Has that faith now caused you to surrender your life to Him? To repent of sin? I like the way the Lord told uh, told Paul. He says, this is your mission. You're going forth To open the eyes of the blind, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, to receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith, which is in me. Notice that sanctified by faith, which is in me. When we make that decision and we bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and we repent of sin and we ask him to come into our heart and life. Amen. At that very moment. What God does is through the operation of the new birth, he translates us. He separates us from the world. He translates us out of the power of darkness. That's Colossians chapter one, verses 12 and 13, right in there. He translates us out of the power. doesn't say the kingdom. The power of darkness includes the kingdom. The power of darkness. In other words, Satan no longer has control over you. He no longer has dominion. See, what Satan does is he manipulates, he intimidates, and he dominates. He manipulates us into sin. He intimidates us by causing us to be guilty and causing us to fall, and then he dominates our life. People who are addicted today, they are addicted because the God of this world knew how to manipulate their weaknesses. He intimidated them into thinking, well, this is all i ever be. And then he dominates them through that addiction. And you see, in all of the craziness and all of the upheaval that is going on in this world today, you see, you can tell and testify those that have yielded themselves over to the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of witchcraft. They're being Uh, manipulated they're being intimidated they're being dominated by the evil one you can tell by their fruit it's not a fruit of righteousness it's a fruit of hatred and the only answer the only cure is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ God has got to open up their eyes to the truth and he and when he does that and they And they acknowledge that, and they're drawn by the Spirit of God. God opens up their heart. They'll see their need for a Savior. I know that to be the truth because that's exactly what happened to me. I thought I was living high on the hog. I thought I was okay. I thought everything was well with me. Even though I was smoking weed, taking drugs, getting drunk, I thought I was all right until that fateful night, that Wednesday night, October the 13th, 1971, That blindness, God shined the light of the glorious gospel unto me. That blindness lifted and I saw myself for who I really was. Amen. That's the love of God. That's his mercy. Oh, I'm telling you, folks, God loves every person that's breaking windows and throwing bricks at police and and burning down businesses and killing people or being accessories to murder causing mayhem and violence and chaos. They really truly believe that they're justified in what they're doing, but they have been manipulated and they're being dominated by the God of this world. And they think they're right and they're not right. And the only cure is the gospel of the grace of God that sharp two-edged sword that pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See that convicting power, you know, the scripture tells us that the Holy spirit has come and he's come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment How does the Holy Spirit do that? He does it through the gospel. That's why it's so important for you and I as believers and for the churches that we attend to get out there and start propagating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord, but doing it in love, not as a club, not knocking people over the head with it, but doing it in love, speaking the truth in love. That's the only way that we're going to be able to grow up. That's the only way that the world is going to be able to see. Amen. Amen. And that's truth. Praise God. So once again, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. See, there's an assurance in our hearts that we know that we have eternal life. And then John says this. It's rather curious. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, see, to me. That is in the subjunctive case. And to me, that means that we have a choice, that we can go on. Amen. Praise God. And of course, this word believe is an action word. That means to believe. And for us to have faith in God means that we also are to translate that faith into the words of Jesus, to the person of Jesus, because his person and his word are one. God and his word are one. Amen. Praise God. Well, how do we do that? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, if you really want to grow in the things of God, then you've got to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we preach the gospel, the more people are going to hear. And the more they hear, faith will come. They'll recognize and realize their need for the Savior and when they recognize their need for their Savior, and that need is greater than their need for self-preservation, remember what Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. So when that need to have Jesus as Savior becomes greater than the need for self-preservation, we'll bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Remember what Jesus said about the parable of the soils. There is one particular type of soil that's sown among thorns and it begins to grow. But the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things choke out the word and it does not produce. It does has no profit. You see, we've got to get beyond ourself and we've got to be able to see our need and total dependency upon the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And then verses 14 and 15. Notice what John writes. And this is the confidence is this confidence is based on knowing the assurance that we have eternal life and that we believe on the name of the Son of God. This is the confidence that we have that. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence. Whatever we ask. According to his will now, our prayers has to be according to the will of God. So that makes the word of God very important when it comes to prayer life. According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us based upon our confidence now, whatever we ask, we know. Notice the assurance here. We know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Praise God. Well, this is all based on the faith of God that we have received as new creatures in Christ Jesus. Notice John said this in John 15, he says, if you abide or remain in me. And my words abide or remain in you, you ask what you will and it shall be done for you. See, that's a statement to a fact. That's a statement of Assurance. And Jesus said this, if notice that this verse is conditional. First, John five, 14 and 15 is also conditional. It starts off with an if, if you abide and remain in me. In other words, you're a born again child of God. You're not turning your back on Jesus. You're not apostatizing. You're 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 there. You're a disciple of Christ and you're going to stay a disciple of Christ. You're not going anywhere. You may not be perfect. But your heart is already is always tuned in uh, to God and to the things of God. If you abide or remain in me and my word. See, this is important, too, when it comes to prayer. The word of God has got to abide and remain in us. You ask what you will. The, the number one problem with believers, when they uh, face a situation and they panic, the first thing they do is they forget God. They forget his word. And they focus all on themselves. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I I can't. Oh, uh, why did God allow this to come on me? I tell you what, I hear that so much. Such a trivial question to ask. Of course, things are going to happen to us. Jesus said in the world, we're going to have tribulation. You and I are going to be touched with suffering. We're going to be touched with testing. We're going to be touched with tribulation. Being touched by tribulation and testing is what tests our character. It's really what reveals what kind of person we are. Now, early in Christian life, when something would happen to me, I'd immediately, the first thought was that, you know, I get mad at God. I'm so, God glad, I'm so glad God is patient and long-suffering. <laughs> you know, I'd shake my fist and God say, what's the matter with you? he shout back at me, nothing. What's the matter with you? You mean I'm the problem? Of course. God's not the problem. He's perfect. Our problem is we're not meeting the standards. If we begin to change, amen, if we begin to change, then things will begin to change also. But notice he says here, John says, I mean, Jesus said this. These are the, were John's words, which he wrote, if you abide and remain in me and my words abide and remain in you. Notice the words of Jesus and my words abide and remain in you. You ask what you will. You ask what you will. Now, the word ask there is the same Greek word that we're looking at in John chapter 15 and verses 14 and 15. It's the Greek word aiteo, and it's a stronger word concerning prayer than either desis or proskuit. Amen. Actually, this word aiteo, what separates it from normal prayer is that, I tell you, is making a demand, something that's bold, making a demand for something in his due, being bold enough. And how how do we do that? I mean, how are we going to be bold in prayer when we're addressing God? Do we command him? Are we ordering him around? No, we're not talking about any of that. We're talking about approaching God on behalf of his word. If we know what God's word says, then we know what his will is. And that that perfectly is in line with what John is teaching us here in, in chapter five, verse 14. If we ask anything according to his will. Well, how do we know what his will is? Like one of these upper echelons in a mainline denominational church that I heard on TV when somebody asked him about these very things that we're talking about. And he said this. Now, this is a guy that supposedly has studied. OK, he's one of the leaders of his denomination. And he said this. He said <laughs> he said this. Well, how can one know what the will of God is? And I'm I'm when I heard that my jaw dropped and I said, what in the world? Don't you read your Bible? That's how we know what the will of God is. We know what the word of God is, because God and his word are one. You ask what you will. John 15, 7. You ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. But now James says this in his letter. He wrote this. Let him ask, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers in faith is like like the waves of the sea being tossed to and fro. And then he says this, let not that man, let that man understand. That's actually what he's saying. But let him understand that he shall receive nothing from the Lord. Wavering faith produces nothing. Amen. Now, if you have a situation in your life and you're wavering, in other words, you're praying, you're believing God, and then the next moment you're doubting. You don't know if, God's, if this is God's will for your life and you're being tossed back and forth. You're, you're halted between two opinions. You don't know if this is the will of God or not. As long as you're in that mode, you're not going to get an answer from heaven. So what do we do in a situation like that? Well, if we pray and we don't receive, then we've got to find out why we're not receiving. And then when we find out why we're not receiving and we find out what we have to do in order to get an answer prayer, then we change the way we're praying. Well, how do we do that? Well, we've got to get into the word of God and study it out. Why am I not getting healed? Why am I not persevering? Why am I when I pray, I don't receive? Find out why. Because the onus is on you and it's on me. It's not on God. God is not. God does not change. His word does not change. He will not change his word for you and he will not change his word for me. We either take the word and, and do what the word says and receive what the word says we can have or we get nothing. And that's just a plain fact. Once again, first John, chapter five, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Notice we're in him. We're born again. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, we've got to ask. You know, Jesus said our heavenly father knows what we have need of before we ask. But then he turns right around and tells us. But you got to ask. God requires that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are we receiving what we're praying? Well, no, I've been praying this for a long, long time and haven't gotten an answer. Well, find out why you haven't gotten an answer. Maybe you're not praying the word. Maybe you're praying something else. Maybe you're praying a prayer that you learn in church that's nothing more than a traditional prayer, like if it be your will. Well, that tells me people that pray, if it be thy will, don't know what the will of God is. But yet the scripture tells us that we have to pray the word of God if we want to get an answer. Amen. Jesus said this, Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say unto you. What things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Actually, in verse 22 Jesus said this, have faith in God. Actually, uh, there's no conjunction there. The literal Greek says, have faith, God, have faith, God. That's why some translators say have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus said this, have faith in God. And then he describes what the faith of God is for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice the assurance in those verses. Praise God. Amen. So God wants you to have these things, but you're going to have to ask in faith. Amen. You got to have assurance. That when you pray, you're praying the word of God. And when you're praying the word of God, you know that's the will of God and you know that God hears you. Now, verse 16, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask. And he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So we're going to talk about number one, keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. And also we're going to find out what sin unto death is. Notice. If any man see his brother sin a sin, actually Robertson says this sinning a sin. In other words, he is in the practice of sinning, but it's a sin that's not unto death. He shall ask the brother that sees shall ask, and this once again this is the word the Greek word Ateo, making a demand for something that's due. He shall ask, and the Lord shall give him life. The person praying. God shall give that person praying for that individual shall give him life that sin not unto death. Amen. Praise God. I know that to be truth. My granddad was dying. He was on the hospital table. The emergency wagon was coming to pick him up, take him to the hospital. And I was just a few months old and Lord, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I saw this. I knew that if my grandfather died, he might go to hell. So I stepped out into a narrow hallway, and I began to pray and intercede for my granddad. And in the midst of my praying, somebody came up behind me. A presence came up behind me. An invisible being came up behind me, touched me me on top of the head. And when he did that, electricity went all the way through my body, and I heard these words, Don't worry about your grandpa. He's all right now. Oh, I tell you, there's something about standing in the gap for family. There is something for standing in the gap for people that you don't know whether or not when they leave, whether or not they'll go to heaven. And I'm not talking about people that sin unto death. I'm talking about people that get caught up. Jesus says, I mean, John says, brothers, those in the church that get caught up in sinning, sin, which is not unto death. God says we can pray and God will give him life. God will give him life. God will give him life. Notice that. In other words, his life will not be cut off early. That's what that's what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, many of you, because of your sin, are weak and sickly. And many of you die prematurely. Why? Because you're not discerning the Lord's body. Amen. Amen. And then John goes on and says this, he shall ask and shall give him life for them that sin on death. He shall give him life. Notice that. But then he says this. He says, there is a sin unto death and I do not say that he shall pray for it. In other words, what John is saying, you see somebody committing sin unto death, you leave them alone. Just put them in God's hands. I tell you, that's a terrible thing to be. Reminds me of what the prophet said concerning Israel, Ephraim, Ephraim is joined unto his idols. Leave him alone. That's a terrible situation to be in, brother and sister. When God says, take your hands off of them. Oh, I tell you, oh, dear God in heaven. I don't ever want to be placed in that kind of a situation. Notice he says there is sin unto death. Now. When John said this, and of course, you know, Barnes, he relates the sin unto death as to what Jesus said concerning the unpardonable sin. But I just don't think that this is the verses that John has in mind. He's not talking about the unpardonable sin. Because if John was referring to what Jesus said concerning the unpardonable sin, I think that John, if John was stating what Jesus said concerning the unpardonable sin, then I think he would have used the definite article, but he didn't. In the English translations, it is translated a sin unto death. That's why we're constantly asking ourselves, well, what is a sin unto death? Well, the actual Greek is this, estin hamatia prosthenaton, sin unto death. Sin unto death. It's without the indefinite article. How do I know that? Because I've studied enough Greek to understand that there is no such thing as the indefinite article in Greek. The word a is added by the translators to make the translation a little bit easier to understand. But in this case, it doesn't because it gives us the wrong idea. We're going around thinking, well, there's a sin unto death. I don't know. I I hope I haven't committed that. No, it's sin unto death. And how do we know that? Because John says this in verse 18, the first part of this verse. We know that whoever is born of God sinneth not. Sinneth not. In other words, he does not commit sin as a way of life. Well, then what is the sin unto death? That is committing sin as a way of life. And those in the church that are sinning as a way of life, they don't know God. They are committing sin unto death, and if they were to die in that state, then they'll go to hell. They'll be lost. I like what Derek Prince says. Derek Prince says that you have to you and I have to endure. Those that endure will be saved. Those that do not endure will be lost. Christians do sin, I'm telling you, there's none of us that are perfect. I've committed sin. I've repented of, you've committed sin that you've repented of, but true believers do not sin as a way of life. They do not sin, they are not sinning the sin, they're not sinning unto death, in other words. I know it's hard for us to get that wrapped around our brain, but that's actually what the Scripture says. Amen. And then verse 17, John says this All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. Well, you ask yourself the question, well, what is what are sins that are not unto death? Well, whatever is committed, that's not the will of God a sin. That can be sins. It can be sins in the thought, in the words and in actions. That's why it's so important for you and I to stay in the word of God. Because the word of God teaches us to turn our eyes away from worthless things. Praise God. Amen. And then verse 18. Notice what what John says. We know that whoever is born of God sins not, does not practice sin as a way of life. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself. Notice that keeps himself. So there's a choice here. We can stay away from sin or we can engage in it. And I know many brothers A lot of ministers. They were faced with the temptation. and They gave in and they regret it to this day. But they they got forgiveness for that sin. They stepped away from that sin and they didn't go back to it. Amen. So for them, even though it was a mortal sin for them, it was not sin unto death because they weren't practicing that as a way of life. And there are many in the pulpits who are. Many of our so-called leaders are practicing sin as a way of life. Well, I want you to know right now that if that's you, you will die today and you will be lost. I don't care what I don't care what your profession is. So if you're sinning sins as a way of life, then you need to repent. You need to get right with God. God will forgive you. Amen. There's always grace and mercy in this life. We know that whoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself and that wicked one touches him not. Amen. Because we've been translated out of the power of darkness. Satan no longer has authority over us. And then verse 19 says, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness, lies in the spirit of wickedness. We could say it this way. The whole world lies in the spirit of witchcraft. Manipulation, intimidation, domination. We've been delivered from that. Amen. And then, of course, the last two verses. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God in eternal life. And then he says this in concluding. Little children, keep yourselves from idle. Amen. Such good instruction. I tell you, I love the Apostle John and I love the Word of God. Don't you? Father, we bless you. Thank you, Father, for your Word today. We draw strength from your Word. Thank you for communicating to us through your Word what your will is. And Lord, we give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and i thank you for receiving me in jesus name amen if you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of christ that the heavenly father offers you then email us at r b t c 86 at gmail.com we will be glad to answer your questions promptly